My name is Padraig Tuma and I grew up in County Cork. And as far as we know, in our family, going back generations, there's only people from County Cork and County Kerry in the family. But of course, along the way, there's family members who went away to the United States, to England, to South Africa, I think. And so families like mine are always filled with poetries and literatures of people who stayed and people who left. The diasporic experience filled with the sadness and the hope and the dream of survival by staying or going. On the Way to Oshagan by Laurie Bedikian. I stopped the car crossed the dirt road to see what the old woman's selling, hoping for a cold drink, an extra postcard to write this evening, I find her tucked behind a table, under a tarp, fly swatters swaying above her head. Stacks of Marlborough boxes, packs of gum are the only things I recognise among the odd Russian-Armenian labels. She must not hear me because she keeps rolling a square of newspaper into a cone, fills it with roasted sunflower seeds. I ask for one, saying Meghat Hajis, fumbling to find a dram among my dollars. Her eyes, the colour of two almonds, rise for only a moment before she asks with a low, coarse parrot voice if I like America, if I'm married, and where exactly is this place called Glendale? With an awkward smile, I drop in different answers for her, like coins in the palm. Until this exchange, I had convinced myself that I do not look like a tourist. After all, having an ancestral name, firm family tree, the language ironed to my tongue since the day I was born, how could I be just another Amerigadzi? I say this to myself, though I'm the one with the walking shoes, the camera, the plaid pattern pants. She interrupts my thoughts with, Welcome to Armenia. Please take these seeds for free. When I extend the money, I notice her face shrinks in the afternoon light. Back in Los Angeles, I would have insisted to pay. But with this unexpected visit, I simply remembered how I was raised, before the textbooks, the corporate cubicles, before I learned to get fashion magazine haircuts, attend culturally sponsored events. I hear my parents say, love this seven-member family all your days and nights. Learn to take every offering with grace, no matter the given size. I bow my head say thank you. She insists it's nothing, asks that I come back soon. Forgetting why it was I stopped at all, I walk back across the dirt, cracking one open. Its shell tastes of the same salted seeds tucked by my grandmother into coat pockets for evening walks. Like a small communion, I contemplate the seed with my tongue and swallow. I almost turn to wave, but get back in the car. From miles around, there is nothing but land I follow on the map. There is nothing but this old woman and her convenience stand made of brick and wood on the edge of a beaten road.
I've had so many friends who have grown up in a country where in their family there's talk of the old country. And I love this poem as an experience of going back to the old country. I find it so interesting, so moving, so complicated. Going back, speaking the language fluently, ironed onto my tongue is how she says it. But yet, when you go back to the old country, you might feel like you're new or you might feel like somebody's automatically going to know that you were brought up somewhere else, that your accent in the language or your composure or the way you dress or a way that you carry yourself somehow communicates that you are from another place too. There's sadness in it, but there's also profound connection in this poem. Initially, she's perhaps reluctant or resistant to engage properly because she's embarrassed by her Americanness, ness being pointed out to her. But Laurie Badikian then begins to realise that this person, this woman by the side of the road in the convenience stall, is drawing her in. And she says to her, come back, you know, after she's given her the gift. She wants the encounter to continue. Or maybe she wants to give Laurie Badikian the possibility of paying for the second time she gets something from her. First time's free, second time you can pay, provided you come back. But even that is a certain engagement too. And I find that this poem doesn't veer down the typical road of saying, oh, I went back home and I felt rejected. This is saying I went back to the old country and I felt rejected. And yet in the midst of that, there was a new kind of belonging, a new kind of connecting that drew her back then to her American experience. The invitation, the instructions given to her by her parents about always accept a gift, never try to pay for a gift, as well as then the recollection of about how her grandmother used to carry those toasted seeds in her pockets for walks, perhaps sharing them with grandchildren. For her to take that seed on her tongue was like a sacramental experience. And so somehow, even though she felt like she was looking like, sounding like, feeling like a foreigner in a place where her family's from, she still felt like there was an experience of transcendence, something of spirituality in this lovely encounter between herself and this woman at the side of the road. starts off by leading us into an experience where a returning Armenian is in Armenia and is experiencing what it's like to be perceived as a visiting American who happens to speak Armenian. And that could have been the poem, you know, to speak about that kind of exilic experience, that dual experience, the fitting in but not fitting in. And then this lovely encounter happens between the two of them, herself and the woman at the convenience store. But in a certain sense, this is a kind of gift. Something has been communicated to say that Laurie Badikian is Armenian speaking and has America in her too. And by offering this cone of seeds as a gift, there is a test to say, do you understand the culture too? And she does. She passes this test in a certain sense and is brought back to herself brought back to the lessons she'd learned from her parents and the walks she took with her grandmother and the taste of those seeds on her tongue. 
one of the things that this poem is really intelligent about is the fact that the diaspora experience is a complicated one. That you belong to two and maybe even three places. You belong to the old country, you belong to the new country, and you belong to the way that the old country in the new country experiences itself too. Growing up, it was really rare among my friends to have parents who were from anywhere else. My grandfather was from the neighbouring county, County Kerry, and I felt quasi-interesting because I felt like I had something more exotic than just Cork in my family background. And as young people, we'd go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade sometimes and see Americans walking in the parade dressed in plaid trousers and waving at everybody and wearing basketball sneakers. And we thought they were hilarious. And we were waving at them, laughing at them, but also embarrassed because they had money to fly back to Ireland. We didn't have money to go on a holiday anywhere around Cork or Kerry. And so the returning diaspora can be filled with a certain kind of nostalgia, filled with a way within which they do fit in, but also their immigrant experience is imagined to be moneyed or luxurious when often it's anything but. The diaspora community hold all that within them. They hold their belonging to the place that they have always grown up hearing about, the place that they visit, the place that they then return to, the home that they did grow up. It's a kind of exile, it's a kind of tension. And the recognition that their accent has changed a bit might always be the first thing that people in the old country say to you. And that surely must be a difficult thing. I've stopped now trying to pay attention to people's accents when they come back to Ireland and speak about, you know, having Irish parents. Because if I'm in a conversation with somebody who has a connection to Ireland as the old country, I don't want the first thing that I say back to be about how somehow they sound like they don't belong. intelligence of this poem is that it could have been a poem that spoke about the initial awkwardness of asking in Armenian for something and then being asked immediately what part of America you're living in and the awkwardness of that. But Laurie Badikian allows the poem to stretch further. It doesn't allow the poem to just stop at the awkward experience but asks and what happened then and what happened then and what happened then and she holds it all together brilliantly by including all kinds of furniture in this poem. This poem is a very visual poem where what she can see is very present. Everything from those stacks of Marlborough boxes and packs of gum and the Russian and Armenian labels. And then down at the end of the poem, it finishes by saying, for miles around, there's nothing but land I follow on the map. There's nothing but this old woman and her convenience stand made of brick and wood on the edge of a beaten road. So much is happening in this poem between two people and it's so located in the small things that are being sold from this convenience stand on the side of the road. You can be there, you can see it in a certain sense. You can almost smell the smell of the seeds or taste them too. This poem is powerfully located in what can be observed, what can be sensed, 
what can be touched, what can be experienced. And in that, so much culture is held. the way to Oshagan by Laurie Bedikian. I stopped the car, crossed the dirt road to see what the old woman's selling, hoping for a cold drink, an extra postcard to write this evening. I find her tucked behind a table, under a tarp, fly swatters swaying above her head. Stacks of Marlboro boxes, packs of gum are the only things I recognise among the odd Russian Armenian labels. She must not hear me because she keeps rolling a square of newspaper into a cone, fills it with roasted sunflower seeds. I ask for one, saying, Meghad Hajis, fumbling to find a dram among my dollars. Her eyes, the colour of two almonds, rise for only a moment before she asks with a low, coarse, parrot voice, if I like America, if I'm married, and where exactly is this place called Glendale? With an awkward smile, I drop indifferent answers for her, like coins in the palm. Until this exchange, I had convinced myself that I do not look like a tourist. After all, having an ancestral name, firm family tree, the language ironed to my tongue since the day I was born, how could I be just another Amerigazzi? I say this to myself, though I'm the one with the walking shoes, the camera, the plaid pattern pants. She interrupts my thoughts with, Welcome to Armenia. Please take these seeds for free. When I extend the money, I notice her face shrinks in the afternoon light. Back in Los Angeles, I would have insisted to pay. But with this unexpected visit, I simply remembered how I was raised, before the textbooks, the corporate cubicles, before I learned to get fashion magazine haircuts, attend culturally sponsored events. I hear my parents say, love this seven-member family all your days and nights. Learn to take every offering with grace, no matter the given size. I bow my head, say thank you. She insists it's nothing, asks that I come back soon. Forgetting why it was I stopped at all, I walk back across the dirt, cracking one open. Its shell tastes of the same salted seeds tucked by my grandmother into coat pockets for evening walks. Like a small communion, I contemplate the seed with my tongue and swallow. I almost turn to wave, but get back into the car. For miles around, there's nothing but land I follow on the map. There's nothing but this old woman and her convenience stand made of brick and wood on the edge of a beaten road.
Way to Oshigan comes from Lori Badikian's book, The Book of Lamenting. Thank you to Anhinga Press, who gave us permission to use Lori's poem. Read it on our website at onbeing.org. Unbound is Gotham Shrikishan, Aaron Kalasako, Eddie Gonzalez, Lillian Bo, and me, Chris Hegel. Our music is composed and provided by Gotham Shrikishan and Blue Dot Sessions. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett, Becoming Wise, and This Movie Changed Me. Find those wherever you like to listen, or visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.